It's great to be with all of you today. Welcome again to Every Nation Church, Las Vegas. If you're a guest in the house, thank you for being with us. We're excited that you could join us on a really special day for our church. Um, and I don't think God has you here by accident, so I pray that God blesses you. And for all of you who consider this church your home, your family, happy anniversary to you. We had a discussion this morning on whether this was an anniversary or a birthday. And we realized it's more appropriate to say anniversary because it's a group of people. But then every birthday is technically also an anniversary. So just go ahead and apply the one that you want. Happy anniversary and happy birthday to you, to us. So we'll have a great time together today. We'll be able to celebrate out in the courtyard. Our hospitality team has put things together. Our setup team has put up the extra tents this morning. We're really grateful for everyone's help. But more than anything else, it's a time to celebrate and honor God. Amen? And it's a time to celebrate God for everything he is and everything he's done for each of us. So why don't we start this time together in prayer as we honor God and put him first this morning. Let's bow our heads. Father in heaven. Thank you. You have been better than we could have ever imagined. Lord, you've been with us in our valleys. Lord, you've been with us on the mountaintops. And Lord, wherever we are this morning as individuals, I pray that you would call out to us and beckon us to follow you. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would stir up everyone who's a part of this church and those who aren't. Lord, to walk with you as a part of your greater body and follow you into greater things as we move forward to honor you to bring you glory, to advance your kingdom in ways that will last forever. In the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. And amen. It's great to have our lead pastor, Pastor Roland, back this morning. Uh, pastor Roland, of course, was sick last week. He's here this week with the mask on. So please tell him hi. How close you get is up to you. But of course, we continue to stay faithful to CDC recommendations and, and all those other things. But I would like to start today's sermon by quoting the words of a great American wordsmith. Um, his name, he's a Grammy Award winner, and his name is Artist Leon Ivy Jr. Uh, but most of us might recognize him more as Coolio. Now, Coolio had hit songs like Fantastic Voyage, you know, slide, slide, slippity slide. But, of course, the song that most people know is Gangsta's Paradise. And I promise we're going to get to the Bible. You did walk into a church this morning. We'll get to the Bible eventually. Just stay with me for now. But as Coolio starts the song, Gangsta's Paradise, he starts it by saying, As I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I take a look at my life and realize there's nothing left. Because I've been blasting and laughing so long that even my mama thinks that my mind is gone. And I ain't never crossed a man who didn't deserve it. See, that's because you did it, bro. He said, stay on that. I have to stay on it. But that's how Coolio talks about the song. And he's thinking about his past and how he's been through valleys in his life. And the truth is that we have all faced valleys in this life. And we will all face valleys in this life. And if you've been around the Bible for long enough, you know that Coolio directly took that opening line, almost directly, from a passage in the Bible. I promise you we got there. So that passage is going to be our main text this morning. Let's go together to the first of our two main scriptures. This is Psalm chapter 23, verse 4. And it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We'll break down Psalm 23, 4, line by line this morning. But this psalm, of course, is a psalm of David. 
most commentators and scholars generally agree that David wrote this psalm a little bit when he was older. He's looking back at his life, and he's probably going through a difficult time. And we can infer all these things based on the content of the passage, based on the words he's using, even on the verb tenses. So we can start to speculate on when this might have been written. Maybe David wrote this when King Saul was chasing after him because he was jealous of David's call, and he was trying to take David's life. David had done nothing but be loyal to Saul. He had given Saul his all. He'd risked his life on the battlefield for this man. And now Saul was trying to take his life hurts. And that would have resulted in a low moment. This psalm also could have been written when David had to run again for his life, but this time from his own son, Absalom, because Absalom rebelled against his father, started a civil war, and tried to take his father's throne while his father was still alive. That would also result in a valley. And as David is in this moment, he thinks back to his youth as a shepherd, because David would have watched the family's sheep, and David would have guided those sheep through a valley. Now, most of us know that a valley is a low point or low area between mountains or hills. Uh, Las Vegas is a valley. I think we have a cool picture of the valley. Right? You can see the strip out there in the background, the mountains surrounding Vegas. That's what it looks like from the outside. We're down here living in a valley. Now, how many of you want to see God fill this valley? See God move in this valley? How many of you generally like living in this valley? Right? We like being here, most of us, but this poem is written from the perspective of a shepherd and sheep. And funny enough, sheep didn't always like being in a valley. Sheep, they're very, anybody been around sheep before? Yeah, they're very fearful animals. Uh, Sheep are afraid of loud noises, reasonable. A lot of people get startled easily. Sheep are also afraid of running water. Makes no sense. Completely illogical. I don't understand. But, Maybe most of all, sheep are afraid of the dark. Now, there's an actual reason for that. Sheep, um, God made them with their eyes on the side of their head, and they're kind of rectangular in shape. And what this does is it gives them a very wide field of vision. I think it's about 300 degrees of peripheral vision, as long as their shepherd is cutting the wool around their eyes. But what they gain in peripheral vision, they actually sacrifice in terms of depth perception. And because they don't have good depth perception, sheep cannot see well in the dark. And that's a big problem because predators hide in the dark. So whenever sheep are around dark places, they become afraid. And they can panic, and it can be extremely hard to calm them down. Even modern shepherds and farmers will tell us that sheep don't want to go into a dimly lit barn. Or they might even walk around a big shadow on the ground. They're afraid of darkness. So imagine now being in David's day, watching over the sheep. As the sun begins to set and cast a shadow with the mountain into the valley and darkens the entire valley, suddenly that sheep that can't see in the dark can't see anything. And whether it's actually surrounded by predators and problems or not, it feels like it's in a valley of the shadow of death. And many of us reach similar points in our lives. We reach low areas, low points, low moments, and we're surrounded with problems. Some of those problems might have to do with work. Some of those problems might be financial or relational. Maybe there's a health scare or a health problem. Or maybe like these sheep, it's the constant threat of these issues, 
never seeming to go away, that constantly surround us and burden us with fear or anxiety or hesitation. And every person here, if you haven't already been in one of those valleys, you might be one in, in one right now, or you'll be in one eventually. We all face valleys of this kind in our lives. And this doesn't just happen to individuals, but it also happens to groups. So it can happen to couples, and it can happen to families, and it can even happen to churches. And it's worth remembering that that's how this church was born. Now, I told this story back in March in a spiritual and emotional health series called Baggage, and it's on the website in great detail if you want to go ahead and look for that and listen to it. But when I told that story the first time, I told it from a personal perspective about how it affected me and our family. But today we'll talk about how it impacted our church. Because Every Nation Church Las Vegas was born in a valley in a low moment. And it was not the first Every Nation Church in Las Vegas. The first Every Nation Church in Las Vegas, of course, Every Nation is our ministry, family, our denomination around the world. The first Every Nation Church was Grace Bible Church Las Vegas, started by my dad. Pastor Greg Bolasan and my mom and my family, my sister was here at the time. And initially the church was doing very, very well because people were being reached, lives were being changed, and the church was growing. And people started to move here. Pastor Roland and Vilma came here, and Jerrica and I moved up, and people started to really gravitate and grab a hold of what God was doing in this valley. And then the, com the combination of stress and tragedies in his life caused my dad to seek comfort. But instead of seeking comfort in God, like he should have, or seeking comfort in community, or even hiring a counselor, he instead tried to bear it all himself and then bury his stress and his sorrow in a secret life of sin and bad habits. Many of things, these things that he had put off since he was young and never fully dealt with. So he started to live a secret life and it snowballed and accumulated so eventually, he robbed the M Resort and Casino in an attempt to dig himself out of the hole that he made for himself. He did that using inside information that he got from my mom, who worked there, because spouses share things with their spouses. And of course, investigators talked to my mom on multiple occasions that they cleared her. She's sitting there in the back watching my kids. But my dad is currently in prison serving his sentence. And the church that he started, found itself in a valley, heartbroken, confused, disappointed, many people disillusioned, betrayed, and abandoned. This church was born in a valley. Many of us found ourselves in that valley. Some of us might be in a valley right now. But the beautiful thing about the word of God is that our story doesn't have to end in a valley. We don't have to be there alone because God is with us in the valley. Thankfully, Psalm 23, 4 doesn't say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I take a look at my life and realize there's nothing left. Thankfully, David wrote the psalm and not Coolio. Because Coolio's version is rather hopeless. But David's version gives us a lot more hope. Because David added something after the valley of the shadow of death. So here is the next line in Psalm 23, 4. For you are with me. Because God is with us. Even in this difficult moment, David understood that God was with him. As a shepherd, he knew that the shepherd would stay with the sheep. 
He's not going to abandon his flock. And God doesn't abandon us either. God does not leave us in our valleys. God meets us in our valleys. He comes to walk alongside us when it's hard. He walked alongside us when it was hard. Now, in the aftermath of what happened with my father, his church, Grace Bible Las Vegas, needed to close so that we could distance ourselves from what he did legally and spiritually. And in the valley that we found ourselves in, God called some people onto different churches and different houses of worship. God bless them. God's still using many of them. We're still friends with most of them. They're doing very well. And in that valley, some people stopped following God. And it's a sad truth that many people stop following God in the valleys of their lives. God has not abandoned them. God's waiting for them. So are we. And we continue to pray. But the majority of us stuck together and continued moving in the valley. We just didn't exactly know where to go. <laughs> but we knew that God was with us because he brought the right people to us. And it was in that valley that Pastor Roland and Vilma started this church Every Nation Church, Las Vegas, in the middle of the valley of the shadow of death. And it was a perfect fit. They had actually taken on a church in crisis before. And God had used them in that scenario as they had grown the church. And God formed in them experience and integrity and character, which is exactly what we all needed to find someone to rely on through that crisis. And I'm proud that this man's been my pastor ever since. And we've been walking together. And that's how we were born. And God was with us in the valley. And if you find yourself in a valley, God wants to be with you right now. And there is no better God, no better person to turn to in the valley because Jesus knows what it's like to be in a valley. We have a God who faced the valley himself. Jesus went into the valley as he was betrayed by his best friends and abandoned and left alone as he paid the price for sins he didn't commit. Sins that we did commit. And Jesus went to the cross in place of us to substitute himself for us Pay the price that we couldn't afford to pay because he didn't want us to pay it. He paid that price himself, taking on himself the burden of our sin, becoming our sin. And then Jesus died, the death we deserve to die. But three days later, Jesus rose again. And he came out of that valley. And he conquered sin and death. And he offers us free life and eternal life and goodness and relationship with him. We'll just follow him. And the same God that conquered sin and the grave and conquered the worst of all valleys wants to be with us in the middle of our valleys. And this is why Psalm 34, 17 and 18 declare this. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. And he saves the crushed in spirit. God hears and God wants to be near to you. God hears you and he wants to be near. Sometimes when we find ourselves in the middle of a valley, we look for advice or we look for help, but really what we need more than anything else is someone to just listen. And God wants to listen. And he wants to be near. And I love that we have a God who 
wants to be with us in our valley, but he won't just be with us in our valley. He's also to give, able to give us hope to go beyond it. God is able to bring us through the valley. We can go past it. We don't have to settle there. We don't have to live there. And that's why the last line in Psalm 23, 4 says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, this is referring to something. A rod and staff could have been two different tools or it could have been one tool. But the main idea here is that it's highlighting two different functions. Because a shepherd could use his rod to defend the flock. David, as he was on his way to fight Goliath, told Saul, Hey, this guy, light work. Because I fought a lion and a bear before. A shepherd's role is to defend the flock. And the shepherd would use his staff to guide the flock, to lead them in a direction. And if a sheep ever began to wander, the shepherd could use the staff to guide the sheep back in the right direction, as gently as possible, which probably depends more on the sheep than the shepherd. But our God is able to bring us through our valleys in similar ways. God is defending us. Our God fights on our side. He's able and mighty to save. And we often won't never know the things that God has saved us from. But he's saving us. I remember there was a day in which I was driving a car with Jerrica and Allie, our first daughter. She was in the back seat. She was about a year old. And we were leaving a restaurant on Charleston. And we were at the red light. And the light turned green. And for whatever reason, I looked down and I adjusted our air conditioner. And when I looked back up, only a second had passed. A blue car drove through their red light, probably about 45 to 55 miles an hour. God is defending us. God is on our side. He's defending us and he's guiding us. He's leading us, pointing us in the right direction, putting us in the right place to feel his presence and live out his purpose for our lives. Sometimes God is guiding us by correcting us. And God wants to correct us gently. But that might depend more on us than him. He'll correct us gently if we'll listen to him. So God wants to defend us and guide us as he leads us out of our valleys. And God guided this church as he brought us into new seasons. Now shortly after all that stuff happened and we started to move forward, we banded together as a people. We started to meet at the Cambridge Center. Some of you guys remember that. It's near UNOV. And uh, that, was, uh, that was interesting. But we knew that wasn't the final place that God was calling us to be. We actually didn't have anyone in our church living in that area. So we started to look for different places. And at one point, we had a list of 15 different schools or facilities that we wanted to call to ask them if they wanted to house and host a church on Sunday mornings. So with faith and fire and vision, we started to call every place on that list, one by one by one. And then we got rejected one by one by one. And then finally, one of them picked up. And it was a school. So they took us on a tour. And they sounded excited. And then a few hours later, they called us and said, Ah, never mind. No, not everyone in administration's on board. You guys have to keep looking. Sorry. Okay. Thanks. Let us know if you change your mind. So we persevered in faith. We walk by faith and not by sight, amen? And we kept walking by faith and calling by faith. 
and getting rejected by faith. But then another school answered and took us on a tour. And I could tell they were really willing to have us because they were excited as soon as they greeted us. And we came in and we shook hands with everybody in the office. And they walked us over to the gym. And we had our hopes high and we walked into that gym and we saw possibilities. We also saw that it was a gym for preschoolers. And that the chairs were for preschoolers. Like they were too small for me. And the gym was old and they didn't have air conditioning and we'd be there after the kids had been sweating in it all week. So that wasn't the place for us either. So we kept going, kept calling, until we reached the last school on the list. And that school was Spring Valley High School. It's where we are right now. And I remember the first day that we went in to check it out. It was uh, Pastor Olin, John, and myself. I think I took this picture on that day that we went to go check it out for the first time. Uh, some of the students were doing a play like they're doing right now. In case you guys were wondering, this is not ours. There's going to be another play. The, the chair was very convenient for me, though, while I waited for John to do the welcome. It's very soft. Don't sit on it. We're not supposed to touch this stuff. But God guided us all the way down through all of our possibilities to the very last school on the list. He guided this church to Spring Valley High School. He guided us to a place where the staff would accommodate us and care about us. Where they wanted us because they wanted the extra money for the funding. But that's okay. They wanted us. We're working together. There's a space with room to grow. There are classrooms for our kids. There's areas where the babies can be comforted. And God is still calling us forward. This probably isn't our last stop, even though we plan to be here for now. But we know from experience that God is able to bring us through our valleys. God is able to bring all of us through our valleys. And the reason why God wants to bring us through our valleys is because he's actually bringing us to something even greater. God's bringing us to something greater. Now, if sheep were so afraid and so vulnerable in the middle of a valley, begs the question, why on earth would a caring shepherd lead them through the valley in the first place? Do you not see this sheep is terrified? It's in fear. Bah! Bah! I, I've never had a sheep. I'm just using my imagination. You can use yours too. But I have seen them run. What on earth are they doing? Why are they doing it? So as it turns out, as we've talked about before, Israel's climate is a little similar to ours. They've, they've had desert regions. And as the summer would come on, the grass in the valley would dry up. And sometimes their water sources, like brooks and streams, would dry up. And in order to continue feeding their sheep and sustaining their sheep and protecting their sheep, a good shepherd actually had to lead them through the valley to higher elevation. And at higher elevation, they could find grass again. They could find water again. They could pick up a spot that was well protected. In other words, a shepherd brought his sheep through the valley in order to take them somewhere greater. And God wants to bring us through our valleys to take us somewhere greater. Psalm 23, 6, the last verse in the chapter, it starts out like this. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Who wants goodness and mercy to follow them? And King David had hope for that in his own life, even in a horrible situation. 
So some of us find us with God calling us out of our valleys, whatever those valleys may be, however long we've been there, and whether or not we choose to be there. God's calling us out. He's calling us forward, and he's calling us into something greater, and that something greater can include greater opportunities. It can mean greater impact. It can mean promotion. It can mean greater promotion, health, blessings, all of these things from God. God can call us into greater things like that. And God can call us into a greater relationship with him. God can call us into greater relationship with his people. God can look, call us to look like him in greater ways and become greater versions of ourselves. Greater knowledge of who Jesus is as we become like Jesus in his sacrifice. God can call us into something greater that way too. Now we believe that God is calling this church into something greater. We, as individual followers of Christ, as disciples, we are all called to greater with God, greater faith and trust, greater knowledge and understanding. And as these things come together, we have greater sacrifice and submission. Woohoo! Because in Christ and his upside down kingdom, greater submission and greater sacrifice always leads to greater victory. Jesus sacrificed it all, and he rose again in victory on the other side. When we follow Jesus and sacrifice and that walk with him, we find victory on the other side. God's calling us into greater with him. God is calling some people and stirring us up into greater influence, even leadership, to take responsibility for the spiritual well-being and lives of others in addition to your own. God is calling our church to greater impact. In the next generation. Right now, we saw the kids and the youth walk out to have service on their level. And they've been meeting God and they've been getting baptized and choosing these things. And my daughter will come home and talk about Bible stories that I didn't teach her. Dude, like, am I failing at my job as a pastor or as a dad or as both? No, that means our kids' ministry is awesome. And our youth ministry is awesome. And our college ministry is awesome. I'm about to get us at some. <laughs> hey, guys, let's walk, on, uh, let's walk on faith a little bit. We are already talking about and planning and preparing for a service for students at UNLV. God's leading us to do it. So we go forward in faith. We don't know what that looks like. We're going to talk about it this week. But God's calling us forward, and we know he's calling us to something greater. Because there are people on that campus who need Jesus. Because the values of the campus will be the values of society tomorrow. Because tomorrow's leaders are on the campuses today. And because God wants to meet with them right now. God's calling us to greater influence. God's calling us to greater influence in world missions. Pastor Roland has talked about before how his friend, Pastor Rico Ricofort, is starting a church in Panama. Pastor Roland's half Panamanian. We are one day going to help with that church plant. There is nothing on the horizon. There are no dates circled, but there is faith and there is a call from God for us to be a part of what God is doing in our every nation family, in his body, around the world. And God's calling us into greater influence in church planting too. There are church planters in this room. There are campus leaders in this room. There are people called of God in this room. We're going to follow him. 
as we go into something greater. God is calling us out of our valleys and beyond them into greater and greater things. Do we want to go with him? Do we want to live in the valley? It's dried up. The low moment. Do we want to stay there forever? Or are we willing to walk forward with our God? Because if we want to go with him, here's how we do it. We walk with God intimately and intentionally. And that is how we start moving beyond our valleys. We walk with God intimately and intentionally. Here is the last part of Psalm 23, 6, the very last line. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David starts talking about dwelling with God, and we can think about dwelling with God as living with a growing awareness and experience of his presence in our lives. And the beautiful thing about dwelling is that we don't have to wait until heaven for it. We can start on earth with God now. Charles Spurgeon one of my favorite preachers ever, uh, he wrote this at one point. He says, while I am here, I will be a child at home with my God. The whole world shall be his house to me. And when I ascend into the upper chamber, I shall not change my company, nor even change the house. I shall only go to dwell in the upper story of the house of the Lord forever. We can start dwelling with God now becoming more and more aware of his presence. Another analogy the Bible uses for closeness with God is walking. And God wants us to be intimate with him as we walk with him. Sheep needed to be near to their shepherd. This is referring to closeness and not just in physical proximity, but in emotional and spiritual support. God wants us to feel close to him. And of course, we feel close to God when we spend time with him when we read his word, when we talk to him in prayer, when we worship and when we listen to things that build our relationship with him, we feel close to God when we get close to his people. One of my favorite analogies for the importance of fellowship is that we are all, as Christians, like burning hot coals. is on a burning pile and it's removed from the pile and set alone. It's got to cool off. But if you take that same coal, put it back in the middle of the pile, it will eventually catch fire again. God calls us to walk with him in community. And God wants us to be intimate as we walk with him. He wants us to be intimate and he wants us to be intentional. Whenever sheep followed their shepherd, they followed the shepherd in a certain direction. They weren't walking around aimlessly. They were looking for something, looking for food, looking for water looking for a safe place to sleep. And God, as a shepherd, calls us in a direction for our lives. So what is God calling you to do? How is God calling you to do it? Who is God calling you to do it with? Who is God calling you to become? What are we doing on a consistent basis? reading, learning, praying, whatever that may be, we need to walk. We need to take steps of faith in the direction that God has called as we walk with him intimately, closely, and intentionally with purpose. And that's very important because that's how we get past our valleys.
all of us, at one point or another, will find ourselves in a valley. Unavoidable. But when we find ourselves in a valley, God wants to be with us in our valleys. And he's able to bring us through our valleys to something greater. So if we want to go with him, we need to find our shepherd and walk with him intimately and intentionally. In just a few moments, we'll pray that God would speak to everyone here on how they're to walk with God in this season of their lives. But we as a church should also commit that wherever our shepherd takes us, wherever he leads us, we're going to walk with him together until God fills the Las Vegas Valley and we gave our best to honor the God of the valley. Join me as we pray to him. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you are a God that does not abandon us. Lord, you meet us in our valleys in every low point of our lives and you call us to walk with you. So Father, I pray for each and every person Lord, if there's a valley in their lives, I pray that you would speak to them practically on how to walk with you and begin to walk out of that valley. Whether that requires more intimacy with you, being more intentional with you. Lord, speak in this moment, I pray in Jesus' name. that you're speaking to us as individual members of this church. Now I pray for this church on our anniversary. Lord, you're not done. And I pray, God, that you will show us what to do next, to continue to walk with you and serve with you and experience you and love you. Call us forward, oh God, as we serve you. One more thing I want to pray for this morning, if we can keep heads bowed and eyes closed, just creating a good place for people to respond. You might be here this morning and you heard the gospel of Jesus, that Jesus died on our behalf to take our place on the cross, that he rose again three days later. And he wants to offer us forgiveness and relationship with him and eternal life. If that's you this morning and you want to have that relationship with Jesus and eternal life with him, then on the count of three, I just want to invite you to raise your hand to say, hey, I want to start that relationship with Christ today. If there's anybody here, go ahead and raise your hand on three. One, two, three. Anybody here? If you want to start following Jesus today, praise God. See your hand. Anybody else? If that's you this morning, I encourage you to speak to your life group leader or myself or Pastor Roland after the service. And we want to talk to you about what that looks like and how you can practically walk that out in your life to continue to walk with our good shepherd. But this time we can uh, open our eyes and look around and smile at somebody.